The glory days are here to say the 80s horror show. Take a stroll down memory lane, it's time to start the show. The Gory Days, the Gory Days, the Gory Days, the Gory Days. The Gory Days. The show where we take a stroll down memory slain to remember our favorite horror movies. Once again, we are no longer just sticking to the 1980s and early 1990s, but today we are. <laughs> today, I'm just going to go straight into it. We are talking about the 1981 horror film Venom. So, not to be confused with the 2018 action horror film man talk about horror venom 2018's uh sony endeavor starring tom hardy i haven't seen it but i've uh, seen clips and i've watched the everything wrong with uh youtube video and uh i can tell that i didn't miss anything but if you haven't seen this venom from 1981 you've missed uh uh <laughs> A classic? A groaner? Um, it's funny. When I started doing this podcast, we, it was originally like dedicated to bad movies of uh, the 80s and 90s. B movies, if you will. Um, and maybe the occasional C movie, but I, I really don't have a, a stomach for those or the time. I don't know. Maybe I just think too highly of myself. Uh, no, but this movie is a 1981 British horror film directed by Piers Haggard. And written by Robert Carrington, it stars Klaus Kinski, Oliver Reed, Nicole Williamson, and Sarah Miles. It's based on Alan Schofield's novel of the same name. Now, if that sounds like I am reading off of a Wikipedia page, that's because I am. Uh, <laughs> uh, this is going to be a, a shorter, more freeform episode of The Gory Days because I didn't take as many notes for this movie, by which I mean I took no notes for this movie. I'm just going to be going off the cuff from uh, what I remember slash what I have uh, right here in front of me. So bear with me. Thank you very much. Welcome back to The Gory Days. Here we go. So right off the bat, I think it's important to note that Toby Hooper was originally attached to the film. Avid listeners of the Gory Days may recognize his name from the Texas Chainsaw Massacre and the Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. Uh, we haven't covered the original because that was unfortunately out of our decade, 1974. We might come back to it. But we did cover the Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 from 1986. Toby Hooper, as I said, was originally attached to this movie uh, Venom. But Piers Haggard, the director, had this to say in a 2000 inter 2003 interview for Fangoria magazine. I'll try to paraphrase. I took over that at very short notice. Toby Hooper had been directing it, and they had stopped for whatever reason. It hadn't been working. I did see some of his stuff, and it didn't look particularly good. Plus, he also had some sort of nervous breakdown or something. So anyway, they stopped shooting and offered it to me. Unfortunately, I had commitments. I had some commercials to shoot. But anyway, I took it over with barely 10 days of preparation, which shows... <laughs> <laughs> I think it kind of does. Um, you know, without context, I don't. I can't imagine any of you have seen this movie. Uh, I think it's on Hulu or maybe Amazon Prime. You should definitely check it out. But yeah, Toby Hooper was originally attached to direct this film and uh, quit because of, quote, creative differences, unquote, before Piers Haggard replaced him. Um, let's see. Klaus Kinski is the, so let's go over the cast really cool. Or let's just give you a, a, a tagline for people who aren't familiar with the movie. So an international criminal named Yachmel enlists Ruth Hopkins's maid, Louise, and chauffeur, Dave, 
in a scheme to kidnap her asthmatic 10-year-old son, Philip, for ransom. Perfect. So we've got Ruth Hopkins and her son, Philip Hopkins. Ruth is independently wealthy, or it doesn't matter. She has a, a, a big house. She has help in the form of a maid, Luis, and a chauffeur, Dave, and her son has like 30 animals in his bedroom. This kid is a lover of animals, little Philip, probably because of his grandfather, Howard, played by Sterling Hayden, was a safari man and I guess still is a safari man. It's interesting. So let's see what I can <laughs> piece together from this. As I mentioned, the help the maid, Luis, and the chauffeur, Dave. I'm going to refer to them as the help, but if ever I can remember, I'm going to call them the maid and the chauffeur. Have a friend, or rather, the maid has a friend in the form of an international criminal named Yachmel, played by Klaus Kinski, who stands out like a sore thumb in this movie as this just cartoonishly evil German. So let's try to get the, the beats of this. The whole main conceit is Philip is a lover of animals and is expecting a shipment of a new, completely harmless, uh, let's call it a garden snake, to arrive at his local pet shop. When he goes to pick up that snake, a hilarious mix-up has resulted in him not taking home the completely harmless, let's call it garden snake, but instead taking home an incredibly dangerous and deadly Black Mamba, or as all the British people refer to it in this movie, Black Mamber. I don't know. I pronounce it Mamba, but it's ironic over there how they switch their A's and A's. They call it Mamba, and one character even calls it Mamber. Uh, accents, they're funny. Uh, destined for a toxicology lab. So this mix-up now gives the toxicology lab a harmless snake and a child the, quote, deadliest snake on the planet, unquote. I don't know if that's true. Maybe it was true for 1981, but um, that's the situation. It is heightened by Ruth Philip's mother, Ruth, leaving Philip with his grandfather, Howard, alone with the help, Luis and Dave, the maid and chauffeur, respectively. Ruth has to go off to something important, and don't get me wrong, she is a very dutiful mother, and she's worried about her son having asthma and being alone, even with her father, who seems pretty like lax. He's usually watching uh, like Discovery Channel shows or whatever the BBC equivalent is on uh, TV, these safari shows. So it's understandable that she's worried, but she's left them in good hands. She's got, uh, or rather, Philip's got the grandfather, he's got the maid, he's got the chauffeur, and Ruth has nothing to worry about. So she leaves before all of this happens. When the international criminal finally shows up, it's after the Black Mamba has also arrived. So the international criminal, I'll try to keep remember, I'll try to keep referring to him as Yachmel, but uh, forgive me if I accidentally call him uh, Kinski. <laughs> it's really weird. His name is Yachmel, and everyone refers to him as Yachmel, if I'm, if I'm saying that right, but he's credited as Jacques. Uh, I wonder if that's a, I don't know. I don't know what that is, but I wonder. Anyway, Jacques or Yakmel, the international criminal, inserts himself in the home. 
and it quickly escalates. Yachmel had everything under control, and really, if it was up to him, he would have solved this very quickly, this easy ransom of this little boy and just keeping the grandfather out of the picture without hurting anybody. But unfortunately, the chauffeur, Dave, is a hot-headed piece of work. They have a shotgun, you know, for safety. Dave, the chauffeur, has a shotgun, and Yakmel, the international criminal, has a handgun, a pistol. When a door, I don't remember why the police come to knock on the door, but it's something very, very usual for the police. Uh, I don't remember what it is, but they come, they knock on the door, and Dave shoots the police officer with his shotgun, on the doorstep and there are people walking by and they see it they see the police officer crawl with 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 gunshots in his chest crawl all the way back to his car and call in what just happened as he dies and he dies there and there's a crowd and people show up right away and yakmel is pissed this went to hell right away um, I can't remember if this happens before the police officer gets shot or immediately after, but within moments of that event happening before or after, the maid, Louise, opens the case that was supposed to have the completely harmless snake inside and instead has the black mamba, which bites her on the face like two or three times. And everyone's telling her, oh, don't worry, it's completely harmless. And she's going, I'm dying. And honestly, it's some of the few moments of horror in this movie is that she is a dead person walking. She's a corpse. She's a living corpse. The the blood in the Black Mamba, as we've uh, been told by uh, a doctor by the name of Dr. Marion Stowe, the toxicology doctor, has explained to us One bite from the Black Mamba, unless you have the antidote, there is no chance of survival, and death will happen in minutes. I'm pretty sure that's true, even today in 2019, when this episode is being recorded. But what she adds is, even with the anti-venom, it's a 50-50 shot that you'll pull through. So, Luis, the maid, is dead, and she makes it all the way down the stairs, I'm pretty sure, to witness the police officer shooting, or maybe she dies right beforehand, but when she dies, uh, the actor that plays Luis, Susan George, does such a good job, it looks so painful and she's just contorting and clawing at her throat she can't breathe she's just trying to hold on to whatever life is left in her until she's dead dead as a doornail so meanwhile the police officer called in his own murder and the movie elevates itself to hostage situation and it was really fascinating because i just recently started watching mind hunter which i had no idea i knew it was about dissecting the mind of a serial killer but i had no idea it focused so heavily on hostage negotiating tactics specifically when negotiating with the alleged psychopath in this case The detective on uh, the case is Detective Constable Dan Spencer, played by Mike Gwillen, who uh, Wikipedia wishes me to inform you is a Welsh actor. 
This guy does a great job, but his accent switches a couple of times. I swear, he starts off with a nigh-American accent and then ends the movie with like an Irish, apparently maybe Welsh accent. Whatever. It's a competent movie. Uh, I'm not going to knock it for an actor making some interesting choices. Uh, certainly not the an accent. I'm not going to knock it for that. That detective does a great job. Some of the, uh, man, they would be the best scenes if it wasn't done so realistically. Yachmel is the only one that communicates directly with Detective Constable Dan Spencer. I'll try to abbreviate that to just Detective Spencer from here on out. While, obviously, Luis dies before he arrives on the scene, and Dave more or less gets some, like, guttural shouts uh, out a couple of times, but eventually the doctor, Dr. Marion Stowe from the toxicology lab, so she's a toxicologist, is brought onto the scene so that she can uh, advise them on the situation vis-a-vis the Black Mamba. So remember when the Black Mamba attacked Luis? Yeah, I almost forgot too. The way this movie is structured is so funny. It's interesting enough as a hostage situation story, and then they have to throw in the snake on top of it all. I realize this is based on a novel by Alan Schofield, but I can only imagine the novel suffers from the same thing. Every time I start to forget about the Black Mamba in this movie, they throw in a shot of it crawling through the vents or some snake, some of the best parts in this movie are the point of view from the snake, or as I like to call it, snake vision, where we get to see what the snake sees, where it's crawling around either on the floor or through the walls or in the ventilation system. Honestly, just an extra part in this movie to kill a couple of people. It doesn't even kill that many people. (laughs) So the toxicologist has realized the mix-up figured out where the Black Mamba must be, and it turns out it's in this hostage situation. So she's brought onto the scene, and in a... I don't know if it's really stupid of the detective or really smart of uh, the criminal, Yachmel, but he tricks the doctor into coming close enough to the door to administer an antidote to uh, Luis. This is a lie. Obviously, Luis is dead. He grabs her. Yachmel grabs Dr. Marion into the hostage situation, thus increasing his hostages from two, Philip and his grandfather, to three with Dr. Marion Stowe. Unfortunately, Dr. Marion Stowe is pretty darn smart. So we'll skip a couple of things because I don't remember what happens, and we'll skip to the thing, the next thing that I remember happening. So the hostage situation is not going well. Dr. Marion Stowe is pushed out onto the balcony with a wrap around her hand and a gift box is thrown from that balcony. What's inside the gift box? A finger. A chopped off finger. After it comes back from the lab, they learn that that finger was already dead when it had been cut off because the blood vessels in it or whatever. I I don't know. I'm not an expert. I don't watch enough crime procedurals, but it's apparently obvious when a finger is cut off post-mortem versus (laughs) pre-mortem life, a.k.a. So, in fact, it was the maid's finger. 
And to my surprise, Dr. Marion Stowe, the toxicologist, also didn't realize what was going on. She was just pushed out on the balcony with a wrap around her hand. She didn't realize what was in the gift box either. But it gets the detective, uh, Constable Dan Spencer, moving a little bit faster on their demands, including a big, big uh, suitcase full of money. Uh, I think it was he wanted a million dollars split up into uh, small bills from all over Europe because they weren't all on the euro at the time, which I thought was interesting. So eventually, at the end of the movie, Detective Constable Dan Spencer realizes that the building behind this house used to be connected to the house. So they go back there. It's a business now. They tear down one of the walls and find, in fact, a door that they break open and leads directly into the basement of the house that Philip and his grandfather are being held. Oh, and Dr. Marion Stowe are being held hostage in the detective and some police officers burst in when the chauffeur, Dave, just happens to be standing near that door. They open fire and shoot Dan. He goes down, but he's not dead. The Black Mamba finally returns and almost, no, it does. It bites him right on the face and he slowly dies from a combination of blood loss, you know, from gunshots and also the toxic poison coming from the Black Mamba. Right before this, though, we get what is my absolute favorite shot of snake vision because the snake, it's not even in slow motion. The snake is hovering above the ground. Now, this doesn't mean that there's a shot of the snake flying through the air, but there might as well be because we get a point of view shot from the snake's eyes and it's not on the ground. It's floating in the middle of the room going straight for uh, Dave's stomach, I think, which just looks absolutely bonkers. It's silly. It's silly, and I love it. Another moment that I love, at some point, the mother, Ruth, arrives on the scene. Uh, Ruth Hopkins arrives on the scene, and the detective immediately is like, why did you bring her? Why did you call her? I kept thinking from the moment uh, the police arrive on the scene, how upset and distraught and manic Ruth must have been when she heard the news, when her f- flight landed and she heard the news and had to like in a frantic uh, craze, get a ticket back to London so she could go uh, check on her asthmatic son. Cause she was already like kind of a wreck leaving him alone. <laughs> completely safe i can only i could only imagine the whole time i was thinking about her so then finally when we see a a shot of her like coming out of the terminal and hailing a taxi it was so rewarding for me because i was like oh good she is absolutely crazed (laughs) trying to get back and save her son which makes it even more frustrating when she finally arrives at the house and they don't let her see her son for obvious reasons but it's just it's a real shame now I am trying my hardest, I'm trying my absolute hardest to remember how this film ends. All I can tell you is that the, oh, yeah, that's right. So the only ones left is the international criminal, criminal Yachmel, and his three hostages. So it doesn't take long for the Black Mamba to slither his way up into... Oh, I forgot about I forgot 
I forgot about that. When Dave, the chauffeur, is uh, bleeding out, the snake, the black mamba, crawls up his pant leg. And he, like, waits for a while thinking, oh, I hope it doesn't bite me. I hope it doesn't bite me until it gets to his crotch. And then it bites him. And, uh, yeah, then he dies. I forgot to mention that. How could I forget that? I can tell you how because I did not. It's not like I watched this movie and then immediately started recording. I probably should have. But, um, yeah, so... The movie wraps up with uh, Yakmel and his three hostages up in the second store next to that balcony. And the Black Mamba snakes its way, no pun intended, all the way up the stairs, probably through a ventilation shaft, and gets Yakmel. And there's this moment of him like try- of holding onto the snake and running around and going like, ah, the snake, ah, ah. And uh, finally falls out of the balcony and splats on the street below. And all the police rush over and uh, Ruth comes in and um, it all wraps up. They get the Black Mamba or maybe they kill it. I don't freaking know. It's not even that good of a movie. <laughs> but that's it in a nutshell. You could you could imagine. Maybe the snake gets away and starts its own spinoff. Maybe it gets uh, shot. I don't know. But it's a Black Mamba. Um <laughs> Ah, so that's 1981's Venom. Uh, man, it's so funny. I always remember the beginnings of these movies so well, but the ends are so much harder to to keep in my head. Uh, as anyone who's tried to do what I'm doing, I'm sure you can attest. Uh, let's see what kind of uh, interesting tidbits and trivia we've got here. Gosh, so much of the trivia, I'd say like 75% is all about how Toby Hooper uh, quit as a director and Piers Haggard had to fill in at the last moment. I mean, it's it's not a great movie, but I'm not going to blame everything on the guy who came before me. Like, I tried as hard as I can. Oh, here's an answer to that name question regarding Klaus Kinski's character, Yachmel. The nickname of Jacques Müller, played by Klaus Kinski, was Yachmel. I don't remember if they called him that in the movie and that's what they mean by nickname or if that was just a fun thing in the script or on set, but there you go. <laughs> really? I did not know this. There's a, a, a after credit scene. Wow. Back in 1981, they were doing the uh, Marvel uh, and DC trope of putting things right at the ends of their movies. The Black Mamba apparently leaves a uh, an egg and the Black Mamba snake has just hatched. So setting up for the possibility of a sequel, maybe? I don't think one ever came. So yeah, in what is ostensibly a horror movie, albeit British, the only horror elements uh, involving the snake are three murders, and each murder is the bad guy. It murders the criminal, Yakmel, the maid, Luis, and the chauffeur, Dave, who are all scheming to ransom off little Philip. Uh, and the snake doesn't kill anyone else besides that, so... As far as horror, it's not like uh, it could come for any one of us. It's only coming for the bad guys. The only other horror elements I can pick out is the adult fear of leaving your child home alone with who you believe are people you trust, only to learn that they are the most dangerous ones of all. God, the idea of having help, like a maid and a chauffeur, and trusting them 
to watch your child because you pay them? No, they have no loyalty or allegiance to you beyond that paycheck. Unless you like, I guess she's just hoping that they're nice people. Why wouldn't they be? That's the real adult fear is trusting these people to, to take care of her son, her family, uh, including the grandfather while she's away. Cause otherwise if, if she was left to her own devices, she would never let either of them out of her sight, especially Philip. And then, of course, there's the criminality horror angle of being held hostage by, you know, people you have no idea what their motives are. They could hurt me at any time. They could just snap at a moment's notice. I certainly don't feel safe, and uh, even his cohorts don't feel safe. I mean, for God's sake, Luis dies almost immediately, and Dave dies as a result of all of this nonsense. And on top of it all, there's the horror of the hostage negotiation element that on this quiet little London street with this up, it's like an upscale neighborhood. It's posh. These rich people live here. They have a chauffeur for God's sake could happen here that a criminal situation could happen on this street, let alone to a child. And the police have to involve themselves and do whatever they can to make sure that this guy doesn't kill himself, doesn't kill the people inside, doesn't kill any of us out here. And there's just so much tension in that. Honestly, I love hostage negotiation scenes in movies. I love the more realistically they're done, the better. It's nice how in this movie there is really no humanizing of the uh, antagonist. Yakmel, Luis, the maid, and Dave, the chauffeur, are pretty much bad to their core. They, they, I'm sure they want the ransom for their own personally, you know, important reasons, but no reason could uh, justify kidnapping a, a child or holding him for ransom. Does it count as kidnapping if you're holding him for ransom in his own home? I don't know. I'm not a criminal lawyer or an attorney. <laughs> I mean, uh, or, or a, a detective. No, it's interesting. The further I dig down into this movie, the more controversy I find and realize that it was not a fun time on set. That None of that really comes through. It's a fun time for, you know, a B-movie. And as far as British horror goes, I guess it's what I would imagine British horror to be, which is uh, not gory, more socially suspenseful than personally suspenseful like even having the snake in the building no one's really afraid of it even the characters forget about the snake for big chunks of the movie it's only when the snake shows up that they all react and realize they have to plug up holes and look for it in uh, various rooms but yeah <laughs> so uh let's see themes for this movie once again i'm just going off the top of my head but uh i guess i kind of already touched on them and the horrors adult fear uh hostage negotiating um it kind of plays back into that natural horror that i brought up on the Cujo episode about how the horror in this movie doesn't stem from ghosts or uh even really like psychopaths, if that's a, a part of natural horror or supernatural, if they're possessed or whatever. No, instead, this one relies on uh, a snake in the house as it's, uh, well, gosh, I was going to say it's main horror set piece, but that's just based on the title. <laughs> that's just based on the title and the poster. And you can't judge a book by its poster. Uh, no, instead, the real horror comes from the the characters, the uh, kidnappers, um, specifically Yakmel and his uh, calculating 
visage. I don't know. There's something about him that seems like he's the re- he's a real good puppet master, and he's been doing this for years. There's some lines and some info we learned that he has multiple uh, aliases and has been doing all kinds of uh, high-level crimes for people for a while now. So uh, Klaus Kinski does a great job of portraying that. Yeah, I guess without further ado, I'll go into my rating of the movie. <laughs> like I said, this would be a, a, a tighter episode, but uh, let's see. Given the, the little kid's performance, Philip, he does a pretty good job in all the scenes he's in. I mean, he's nowhere near as good as some of the kids in uh, oh, some of our American horror movies, but uh, I can't say if that's you know the problem of the film itself. Uh, the grandfather also does a good job. Everyone feels very believable and authentic. No one does anything like that stupid that I, I wouldn't think they would do in this situation. Uh, I want to give a big shout out to Sarah Miles, the actor that plays Dr. Marion Stowe. She does a great job of holding on to this, um, uh, you know who she reminds me of? She reminds me of the female uh, radiology professor or whatever from uh, uh, Chernobyl, if you've seen that. I can't remember the actor that portrays her, who's real in real life, but the actor portrays her in Chernobyl does this great job of holding on to, like, yeah, I know I have a little less status than everyone here in the room, but I also know how right I am and how important it is that I... I uh, stay firm in my assertions despite everyone telling like looking at me looking down on me and things like that so i think she did a really good job and also she she uh actually does a goes a long way in making philip the boy who's actually being ransomed feel safe uh much better than her grand uh, than his grandfather <laughs> um the the snake horror man i don't if i'm judging this movie on the the horror that it it posits then man i would give it a very low rating but if i'm judging it on my own rubrics then i'm going to give it a not so low rating i'll give it ah oh man it's better than ghoulies oh excuse me i'll give it 3 th- mm. <laughs> i'll give it 2 thumbs <laughs> yeah i'm going to give this movie uh, only 2 thumbs and i'm definitely going to give a thumb to dr marion stowe like i just said played by sarah miles she does a really really great job and i'm also going to give one to uh, uh, Klaus Kinski as Yachmel, the international criminal, a.k.a. Jacques Müller. He does a great job carrying the whole movie as its main antagonist. The maid Louise and chauffeur Dave are pretty bumbling next to him. He's clearly the brains of the operation, and uh, I'm, that's why he deserves a thumb. <laughs> um, yeah, that covers it. This that was a uh, 1981's Venom. Uh, maybe someday I'll cover uh, 2018's Venom. But until then, uh, this was a pretty fun British horror film. I do not recommend it. I I really don't recommend that you buy it, like or that you uh, rent it, like I did. I paid for it, and I was really just looking for something. It was funny. I was like kind of in a bad mood, and I was looking for something to just shake me out of it. And I picked this because of its tagline. And uh, I, I wasn't disappointed. It shook me out of my mood, but uh, two thumbs. <laughs> so that's Venom. Thanks again for listening to another episode of The Gory Days. We appreciate your listenership. And don't forget, if you want your thoughts uh, read here on the podcast, be sure to tweet us at The Gory Days or send us a note on LinkedIn, or <laughs> LinkedIn Instagram or Facebook. Uh, you could go to thegorydays.com. That's four to five ways to contact us and let me know us. It's me. It's me, your host, Kyle, uh, who I forgot to introduce at the beginning. Me, your host, Kyle. Uh, 
You can contact me at the gory days podcast at gmail.com. You can just go to the gory days.com, Instagram, Twitter, all of it is at the gory days. So we hope to hear from you soon, but until then, stay scary out there. Got a gory days.